Welcome to our casting of Get a Sign. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Dan Connor, your command senior enlisted leader, Oregon. This podcast is an effort to provide our Oregon National Guard service members, past and present, along with all citizens of the state, a sign from me and the Adjutant General's office before you step into the metaphoric batter's box. I plan to discuss with you pressing issues that are upon our enlisted service, as well as sharing interviews with some of our great citizen soldiers and airmen to gain insight and share best practices. So turn up your listening device and join me for what I hope is an educational and valuable few minutes. Today I have the pleasure and privilege to introduce and reintroduce our land component and air component top enlisted leaders, Command Sergeant Major Lee Smith and Chief Master Sergeant Mark McDaniel. As you've heard me state before, I believe it's important our service members know who their leaders are, and this media allows me to introduce them so you get an opportunity to get to know them. Getting to know what is important to them and understanding and knowing their path can help you better create a path forward for yourself as well as your subordinates. Between these two, they have more than 65 years of enlisted experience. Both of them have served all over our country and abroad. Command Sergeant Major Smith is the Land Component Command Sergeant Major. He was recently selected to serve in this capacity and begins his full-time orders in March. His primary job is to advise the Land Component Commander regarding enlisted issues in collaboration with the Land Component Chief of Staff, Colonel Carl Pond. Sergeant Major Smith, tell us your story. Who are you and what experiences shaped your leadership style and character? All right. Good morning, everyone. Command Sergeant Major Lee Smith here. I am the, as she said, Land Component Command Sergeant Major, also known as the State uh, Command Sergeant Major. Not to be confused with the Command Senior Enlisted. Um, that would be Chief Connor, but uh, the so my title would be State Command Sergeant Major for the Army side. Uh, a little bit about myself. Wow. Uh, let's see. Joined the Army in uh, 1993 after uh, my family. And I moved to America, was born and raised in England. And uh, after we immigrated here and we got the citizenship, and I I knew I needed to join the Army. So in 93, I uh, joined the Army and went to boot camp at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Came back and uh, was an artillery crew member uh, for the 218th Field Artillery. And just kind of spent the next uh, few years working my way up through the positions uh, in 2001, I uh, changed MOS for a little bit, went to the infantry side of the house and uh, did a few schools uh, with the infantry and then uh, decided to go back to the artillery. There's many reasons for that, mostly because they had trucks and they didn't have to walk everywhere. But uh, that was my humor <laughs> for the day, by the way, Chief. <laughs> I and, was laughing uh, inside. Anyway, get back to the artillery. Uh, spent uh, time with the artillery Moving through the different positions, got promoted up to Sergeant First Class, became the gunnery sergeant, and then moved up to the chief of firing battery uh, for different batteries in the in the battalion. Um, in I think it was 2007, got promoted to first sergeant uh, in one of the bat- firing batteries there, and then uh, took another time out from the artillery and uh, deployed overseas to Afghanistan. Uh, spent a, spent some time over there doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and I uh, came back and uh, actually went into a uh, first sergeant position 
at a forward support company. And I spent three years there, learned uh, leaps and bounds about uh, the forward support side of the house and uh, the transportation and fuel and cooks and all kinds of crazy stuff. That was uh, one of my best experiences, actually, in the Army, was in the forward support company. And then from there, I got uh, promoted up to Command Sergeant Major of the Artillery and uh, spent three years doing that and uh, got promoted to uh, Brigade Sergeant Major uh, for a couple years and just recently took on this uh, State Command Sergeant Major job uh, out of Salem, working for General Prendergast and uh, soon-to-be General Day and uh, just learning leaps and bounds every day. It's, uh, it's quite the experience. Uh, so that's that's kind of the quick history of me there, Chief. Well, thank you, uh, Command Sergeant Major Smith. We appreciate that introduction. Uh, Chief McDaniel, thank you for joining me today. This is probably a reintroduction for many. Chief McDaniel's been in the role since October of 2018. He's the Command Chief Master Sergeant for the Oregon Air National Guard, and he's the Principal Advisor on Enlisted Concerns to the Commander, who's Brigadier General Prigmore. He's responsible for matters that uh, influence the health, welfare, morale, and professional development of our air component personnel. Chief, I'll ask the same question I asked the command sergeant major. Tell us your story. Who are you? What experiences shaped your leadership style and character? Well, thank you, chief. Uh, as you stated, uh, I'm the air component state command chief, and I do. Uh, I'm an enlisted advisor and a privilege to be an advisor for General Donna Prigmore. And I work directly with the wing command chiefs, uh, specifically from the 173rd Fighter Wing at Kingsley Field and Chief Dominic Engel and the 142nd Wing at Portland uh, Air National Guard Base and Chief Cavanis. Um, I have the privilege of doing that. We work on all enlisted matters and try to just uh, better quality of life and make sure we have the resources to uh, meet the mission. A little bit about myself. I'm originally uh, an, Oregon- I'm an Oregonian. I'm originally from uh, Klamath Falls. I uh, went to high school there at Klamath Union High School, graduated in 1979. Seems like a long time ago, huh, Chief? It's a long time ago. Yeah, but uh, enlisted in the Air Force in, in December of 1979 as a corrosion control specialist. Uh, my first duty station was at England Air Force Base with the 23rd Tactical Fighter Wing in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana, as a corrosion control specialist. Uh, spent four years there, uh, and then I took a special duty assignment to Nellis Air Force Base, uh, Nevada, for four more years, and then uh, took a uh, went TDY, and then uh, took a PCS to Mountain Home Air Force Base in Idaho. And then I decided to uh, get out of the military for a little bit, for seven years. Uh, took a job in the civilian sector as a uh, fitness club manager. Uh, my wife and I, Jeannie, we decided to get back to Klamath Falls to, to help with some family things. So went back, didn't know too much about the Air National Guard, but I had some friends and family that did. So uh, learned a lot about it, got my foot in the door, and uh, went back into maintenance as a uh, sheet metal specialist. Uh, cross-trained over into hazmat pharmacy and logistics, and then uh, worked my way through the logistics programs uh, in the warehouse and such, and then um, applied for a position, uh, interviewed for a chief position uh, in LRS, and was fortunate enough to um, make chief there. Moved over to operations group as the first nine Gulf in that organization, and then two and a half years, and then I got selected to be the uh, command chief there at Kingsley Field. But did that for two and a half years and then uh, came up to Salem to be in my current position as a state command chief. 
my wife and I, we've been, we'll be celebrating our 31st, 41st anniversary this year. We have four kids, um, three of them are in Klamath Falls and one is in New York City. We're very fortunate and to also have five grandkids. So, uh, Chief, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a great introduction. Thank you, Chief. Now, I'd like to go to some questions from the field. Command Sergeant Major Smith, a question from our land component. If the strength of the organization is so poor, why does the leadership continue to conduct the ASMB and the QRB boards to push soldiers out? Now, you'll have to explain, obviously, the ASMB and the QRB, because I'm not sure everybody knows what those are. Hey, Roger, that's actually a good question. I get asked that frequently. Um, so the ASMB and QRB boards are the uh, boards where soldiers who have over 20 years of service, uh, their files essentially get looked at, you know, the performance evaluations get uh, looked at, um, and they are. it's decided whether the organization will retain them or uh, not retain ASMB board is for the full-time uh, AGR staff, and the QRB uh, is for the traditional soldier, the M-Day soldier. And so there's, I guess there's two parts of that question that uh, I kind of want to focus on. The strength of the organization is it's so poor. So if the that's part of it, and then uh, the actual ASMB and QRB boards. Uh, so the the QRB and the ASMB, they are actually regulatory requirements to do those. Um, I just recently learned, though, that we can um, request to not do those boards uh, from year to year. So that's something that we'll, I will be bringing up in the future to look at as whether it's a good year to do the, the boards or not. So when, it, when they look at strength, this is kind of where I uh, go off script a little bit. The strength of the organization uh, in the, on the Army side of the house relates to retention uh, mostly. So we struggle with retention in the mid-grade um, NCOs, uh, so the e, e, senior E5, the E6, and some E7s. And we also struggle with retention when it comes to first-term enlistments, uh, whether it be a PFC or a specialist uh coming to the end of their four-year or six-year enlistment. And so that's where we struggle with retention. It's not, we don't struggle with retention uh, for strength of the whole organization when it comes to soldiers that have been in the Guard for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and so the, the, the folks that go to ASMB and QRB boards, they are over 20 years of service. And so we all know... Um, that once you hit 20 years of service, you're fully eligible for retirement. And so nobody goes to those boards unless they're fully eligible for retirement. And so going back to the strength side of the house, we, we struggle with that in the mid-grade NCOs and first-term enlistments. And the reason why those soldiers are ETSing, getting out, is because they, they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want to be part of something great when they join or organization. I don't think anybody joins the organization uh, with a chip on their shoulder or, or, or upset when they join. They 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 join because they found a, a position that they really want to do, and they they want to be part of something really great. And so what happens is is they have a bad experience in the guard. They uh, let's say they have poor leadership, 
Well, they come to drill and uh, some of their unit can't pass the PT test for height and weight or soldiers are failing urinalysis tests and they're like, why do I want to be part of this? You know, it's, people are not pulling their own weight. And so that's why they get out. And so it's, it's really dependent upon the unit leadership to uh, create an environment where our soldiers want to want to stay. Uh, a positive environment, a, tr- a tr- good training environment. When they show up to drill, they know they're not just going to stand around uh, in the hallways and or in the locker room looking at their phone. They're going to go out there. They're going to do something really cool. They're going to do their MOS, the reason why they joined the military. And they're going to be groomed to be the next level uh, rank. They're going to make NCO or they're going to lead soldiers. That's That's why they joined. And so if, if that's not the experience they're having, then it's that's on the leadership of that particular unit to do something about that. And uh, I could get on my soapbox and talk for hours about that. But uh, now let's go to the ASMB, uh, QRB side of that. So soldiers that are eligible for retirement, uh, those are the ones that go to the, to the board. And they don't go every year. They go every other year or every skip a year and they every three years. And essentially what's happening is, is when they go to the board, uh, board members look at their entire packet and they read all their evaluations, whether it be for the last three years or five years, whatever the board decides. And so if a soldier, even if they have 40 years of service and they're still serving just in a positive way and they're doing great things for the organization, they are going to be retained. It's, it's no hand, no doubt about it. I've sat on these boards as a board member, and I can honestly say the only folks that don't get retained, and it's a very small number, and so overall strength is usually not affected by very much uh, at all. And they're usually soldiers that are that hit that that max point. They're no longer adding to the quality of the organization. They're just kind of ready to retire and. And we just kind of thank them for their service and help them out the door with a, a, a good, solid retirement with all the benefits that they've earned over, let's say, it's the last 25, 30 years. And so that's typically how that goes. So overall strength is really not affected too much because there's very few soldiers that are not retained. Now, there are caveats to that. I mean, that's – and so and there's, it's just not a black and white um, – thing to the QRB and the ASMB. I mean, there's a lot of different factors. Um, and again, every soldier that goes to the QRB or an ASMB uh, have earned that retirement. Nobody takes any benefits away from them, um, them at all when they go to these boards. So I think... I think maybe I answered the question there, Chief. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, for those of us on the air side, kind of um, get a grasp of what you're explaining. It's very similar to what we refer to as force management. So it sounds like uh, there are times when uh, the force needs to be um, balanced for whatever reason, and you balance it using these tools, the ASMB and the QRB, which are tools to force manage the uh, well, the force. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that answer. Chief McDaniel, here's one from the air component. Simply, what keeps you awake at night? Well, Chief, that, that, that's a great question because obviously there's a lot of challenges now going on uh, uh, 
not only in the military, but in the in our society and our cultures. But you know, one thing I think uh, uh, that that I want to make sure that, that our service members uh, try not to um, fall into any stagnation is is don't don't be your own limiting factor. And what I mean by that is. You know, there's things that we need to accomplish uh, in order to make ourselves competitive for whatever career aspirations we, we, we want to attain. And we, I can, we can all also agree that there, there's never a time in our busy schedules uh, to take a college course or to enroll in a professional, professional military education. Uh, but, but I think in the profession of arms, our goal is always to be the best we can be, and, and not only in our technical, tactical world, which is our upgrade trainings, you know, and job-specific requirements – but, but also in our development world, such as, you know, our, our, our PMEs, such as our Airman Leadership School, our NCO Academies and our Senior NCO Academies, as well as any other development courses that, that, that we, we can apply to and be a part of. I think that's essential. Um, but I think we just have to take the time to continually better yourself. I think when I was a young airman, um, one of my first supervisors way back in the early 80s talked to me about this exact topic, about don't, do not be your own limb fact. He told me to keep pushing, to always to keep pushing to broaden your horizons because that, that's, that's why uh, from the enlisted corps in all militaries, that's, that's, that's the leading edge. That's how other adversaries, peer-to-peer adversaries want they kind of take a look at our enlisted course and want to emulate that. But as you, as you progress through your careers, uh, I would advise you to open up as many doors as you can because you never know when one might open, especially one that you weren't expecting. And if you uh, are educated, uh, have your education up to date and, and your upgrade trainings and stuff, then you can be competitive for a lot of different things. And this can happen because you're ready, because it happened to me. Opportunity arose when I least expected it, and that that supervisor way back in the day taught me um, to not be my own limiting factor, and and I wasn't. So my challenge is for everyone to be ready for that next door to open. So, Chief, that's a little bit what keeps me up at night to make sure our airmen and and all our service members are keep pushing to better themselves and don't be their own limb fact. Yep, makes perfect sense. Thank you, Chief. Okay, I got one for both of you. Like I stated in the beginning of this podcast, 65 years plus of combined service. What one piece of advice can you provide our service members that you wish you knew earlier in your career? Uh, Sergeant Major Smith, we'll go with you first. How about that? Great question. Um, And I think Chief McDaniels answered some of that question uh, in his last uh, comments there. One piece of advice, if there's an opportunity that comes up, jump on it. Absolutely, go for it. Um, you never know what door it's going to open up to you um, down the road. Uh, there's, based off of my personal experience, I turned down a few opportunities that came up, and uh, no regrets, of course. But uh, you know, I, I do wonder. I wonder what kind of opportunities that would have led to. And I kind of kicked myself a little bit for not doing some of those, but the ones that uh, I did jump on. And what it opened up to me uh, throughout my career is, boy, thankful for that. It's uh, that's that is a solid piece of advice right there. Uh, the other piece I would say is train the future. Um, we we don't spend as much time as we should training our future. And if you care about the organization uh, as much as I do, anyway, uh, having quality leaders to be uh, our replacements 
when we leave and we're, you know, retired and everybody's forgotten our names, having somebody that uh, can take over the reins is is crucial and uh, put the time and effort into doing that. Uh, we get busy with all the other requirements and uh, that we have to do, and some of the first things to go to the wayside is. Uh, professional development, whether it be non-commissioned officer professional development or officer professional development, we got to put the time into doing that and uh, training our future. Uh, so take those opportunities and train your future. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Chief McDaniel, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I personally think that, that one thing that we can't miss and the opportunity to do is communicate. I think sometimes, uh, uh, like the man Sergeant Major said, sometimes we get caught up in our day-to-day lives and routine and we forget to communicate. And I think, again, going back to my younger days, uh, somebody told me to, and, you know, we, we always, it's always a challenge for all of us, is sometimes we get in a conversation and we have a thought that we want to say right away and we end up sometimes not listening to what's being told to us. And that's where I would probably say that um, – when we have try to communicate, um, if you're a, if you're a supervisor or being supervised, I think that communication process leads us all the way up to what we talked about today in regards to not not being your own limb fact and things like that. And so you take it and you communicate and really take the time to listen. Kind of just try to not say anything for a minute and just listen because sometimes a younger service member can give you advice that maybe you just if you would have just listened, they would have probably gave you something that you can use someday. So I think the biggest thing is communication and taking that time to sit down because there should never be a surprise as to where you are in your career and what your supervisor's standards, expectations, and standards are because you should know. And if you don't know, you should ask. And and, uh, like I tell a lot of uh, new senior NCOs, or, or the first time somebody's a first first time supervisor, at that point in time in your career, it's not about you anymore. It's about you taking care of that that airman or or soldier or what it may be, because uh, that communication process will take them to where you need to take them and where they want to go. All right. Thanks. I have one. Um, I would say that uh, early early in my career. Um, I learned things the hard way, and I would suggest that you don't have to learn things the hard way. Find a mentor. Ask questions. It's, it's okay to do that. And I think um, about uh, year five or six in my career is when I wised up a little bit and found people to emulate, found leaders, found people of my own rank that could help mentor me even. And, uh, and that led to some real success. So I had some fantastic leaders. I just waited to, or, or mentors rather, I just waited way too long to go get them. So that would be the piece of advice I'd hand people is go find that mentor, find somebody. Uh, you don't have to do things the hard way. You don't have to learn things the hard way. And I think that'd be my piece of advice. All right. Uh, now it's time for me to take on one of these questions. Uh, so here we go. Uh, an incredibly large percentage of service members experienced a multitude of pay issues this past year during Oplan Smokey while on state active duty. What's being done to ensure our service members don't have to experience that hardship next go around? As you can imagine, this is going to be a tough one. So first and most importantly, let me tell you that your leadership at the highest levels are aware and have recognized this frustration. I could speculate a host of issues such as it's a three-agency process that's disjointed or that the quality control isn't equipped with the tools that they need to do anything more than simply ensure completeness 
or the members aren't updating their packages when life changes happen. Although some of these could be true, it's only speculation, and the root issue or issues need to be discovered so that, so that a quality process can be developed to ensure mitigation. With that said, please rest assured that a continuous process improvement team has been recommended. This team will excavate the root cause and recommend improvement areas, and then, and most importantly, they will reevaluate or follow up to ensure that the new changes are effective. What's most important for you to hang your hat on here is that leadership is aware and committed to improving the process. So I know it sounds a little political. There's not a, a, a real answer there. But, but like I said, hang your hat on knowing that w- the leadership at the highest levels are aware and that they are truly committed to fixing the process. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. With that, I'm going to say thank you to Chief McDaniel and Sergeant Major Smith. I appreciate you guys being here this morning. I hope everyone got a little bit of uh, understanding, got to know you guys just a little bit better today. And uh, with that, I'm going to close the book on this episode of Get a Sign. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us, Chief. In closing, I'd like to thank the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office and Sergeant First Class Holden for producing this podcast. Never forget, every soldier, every airman, a leader. This is Chief Connor signing off. Hey.